Welcome, everyone. It's a wrap with rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire and motivate, and people who can educate us on an assortment of topics. I am honored today to have on my podcast one of the most unique married couples out there doing incredible things to help people through their personal challenges. I have Chuck Keels, his wife, Hannah Keels, from Scottsdale, Arizona, could not be here tonight. She is under the weather, but Chuck's going to handle all the questions for Hannah. Chuck and Hannah are a divine pairing. Both are stage four cancer thrivers who were married on January 1st, 2020. Meet Chuck with a larger-than-life personality. Chuck brings joy, encouragement, positivity everywhere he goes. Chuck experienced complete healing from stage four cancer in 2015. Given only three months to live when he was diagnosed with 90% of his bones affected with cancer, he had a divine moment of healing that changed his life miraculously. Chuck has a heart to walk alongside those who are affected by cancer. He coaches out of experience and can identify with the patient having been there and done that. He offers encouragement and hope from a place of understanding. Meet Hannah. Hannah has been thriving with metastatic breast cancer for over four years. She has been diagnosed with triple positive and triple negative breast cancer. As a mother of four young men and having a nursing degree for over 25 years, she brings a lot of life lessons to her personal coaching. Through her cancer journey, she has experienced a fractured neck, esophageal ulcerations caused by radiation, a fracture and a compression fracture in the spine area requiring spinal fusion and femur pinning. In November 2021, doctors discovered four four small lesions on her brain, and she had brain radiation. She is now back to kayaking, walking, and riding her electric bike. She continues to heal and live out what she and Chuck coach. Welcome, Chuck, to the podcast. Thanks. How you doing, man? I'm hanging in there. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Pretty good, good, you know. With all the challenges that we go through every day, you know, you just, you try to find a smile, you know, and, and, and keep on rolling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, we I know we don't have Hannah here. I just found out when we started the podcast, she's under the weather. Totally understandable. She's not up to it. But I'm going to ask you questions aimed at her and you can answer them as well. And, so and it's Chuck, okay, you know, it's okay to let this this audience know She's under the weather because of her cancer spread, pain yeah. that she's having right now. Um, they just changed her um, treatment from a chemo treatment to a pill. So it's doing funny things in the body and stuff. Sure. So she, she, I mean, I'm not, this is how tough she is. Um, 10 minutes ago, she was out here in the kitchen and she says, I want to be on it. And then she's just like, I, I'm not up to it. And I go, go get in bed. <laughs> well, I know uh, I've seen Hannah online and she's one tough girl. So if she can't make it tonight, it's totally understandable. Tell us a little bit about your life uh, before your cancer diagnosis, Chuck. Um, I'm from a small town in Ohio. Um, Grew up there, went to Ohio State, stayed in Columbus for another 10 years. Um, uh, Started getting getting into sales I always just love being around people, meeting new people. So sales was kind of my natural calling. And so I ended up um, taking a job that 
started getting business in the Phoenix, Arizona area, the Nevada area, parts of California. And everybody else in the company were married and they didn't want to travel. And I was single. So I couldn't wait to, you know, jump on a plane and come out and, and you know, work, but get to see some new parts of the country. And so um, I came out to uh, this area and the third trip out, I just looked at the blue skies and the mountains around me. And I said, what are you doing going back to Ohio? <laughs> and so I was, I, I relocated out here 28 years ago. Um, designed um, landscaping and swimming pools for the last 20 years. That was my, that was what I really enjoyed doing and loved working with the people. And, you know, it could be a remodel or it could be uh, drawn up their dream backyard and swimming pool. Sure. And, 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 and then, um, you know, something that we're going to get ready to talk about here a little bit more is a uh, diagnosis with, um, yeah with cancer changed my direction in life. Right. Completely, completely. And that, and, and that leads to, to, to this in 2015, tell us what started happening to you physically uh, and take it, take it from there uh, and, and give us, give us the story uh, of the diagnosis and you uh, trying to leave Arizona to go back to Ohio. So basically, um, I'm, um, I'm one of those guys that like you just see all over the place. I hike, I kayak, I, you know, it's always something, you know, it's hard to keep me sitting still. And, and then also in the landscape industry, if somebody called in sick or something, I didn't care. I just jumped in with a pick and shovel and would just knock out the day's work, even though I became the owner of the company and the, and the designer and the boss. I, I didn't mind getting dirty, you know, right. um, so I was that kind of guy. And maybe that was kind of why I kept pushing through. But the first thing I just noticed was I started getting really fatigued early in the day, which was just not like me. I go 150 miles an hour until about nine o'clock and then just drop over, sleep like a baby, get back up at 435 the next day and go at it again. And so the fatigue started and then aches and pains started. And, um, the pain started to um, to spread or to, to, to become, you know, a little bit harder to, to deal with. And the most of the pain was kind of my lower back and my pelvis area. And, and, and I'm one of those guys, or maybe all of the guys out there can relate to, um, I'll be okay tomorrow. You know, I'll, when I get up tomorrow, I'll be all right. Yeah. And so I kept pushing through and doing that. And the last Thursday and Friday um, that I went to into my office, I was in such pain that I could barely carry my briefcase into the office. And that night um, was basically the turnaround point of my life because um, after me and my two boys went to dinner, popped in a movie, I couldn't get comfortable on the couch, threw blankets and pillows on the floor, couldn't get comfortable there. And uh, told my boys, you know, when you go to bed, I'm going to go over to the, the local hospital, which was a couple miles from our house, and see if they can find out what's going on with me. Yeah. So at that point is when I went in. Um, and the first thing that came back was an x-ray. And they said, you got two fractured vertebrae in your back. <laughs> and I wow. said, what? You know, what do you mean? I haven't fallen or anything. How, how do I have two fractures in my back? And who walks around with a broken back? Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. So basically, um, they they did the biopsies. They do. They went in all this, all of my MRIs, everything, and um, it took them until about five o'clock in the morning to come in and and the the ER doctor shut the door, put a stool next to my bed, sat there and said, "Hey Chuck, okay, so we got all the scans and everything in. I got bad news. Um, everything that you're going through right now is is cancer related." Wow. Yeah. So it hit you it hit you like a rock over the head, I'm sure. Yeah, your head starts spinning. You know, what yeah. kind of cancer and how bad? And you know, my two boys are at home sleeping right now, and all these things start going through your head. Sure. And and so what happened was after the um the the in-depth testing, which is your biopsies and of the bone marrow and everything, um, when that happened, um, the diagnosis came down. It was a uh, prostate cancer that I let go for who knows how long. And it got into my, it goes to where it's fed and it got into my bone marrow and lymph nodes and spread throughout my entire body. And when, and when um, the, can, the, the, the cancer specialist that did the biopsies um, called me in, I walk in and sit down. He goes, I got to tell you the truth. I can't even believe you just walked in here. Wow. He says, he says this, I'm going to show you the scan. He says, you've got, cancer in 90% of the bones in your body right now. Unbelievable. And, unbelievable. Yeah, it, it was that unbelievable. And my head spinning, big tears rolling down my face. And he says, um, you know, you might have three months to live. He says, go home and be at peace with your family. There's nothing the medical industry can do at this point. Hey, Chuck, I just got to interrupt you for one second. I've had, you know, the cancer diagnosis, as you know, uh, when somebody tells you something like you've got three months, what does emotionally, what, what does that feel like? Can you describe something like that? Wow. I mean, the only way to describe it is um, I was sitting there thinking about my boys and all that stuff. And, you know, you plan for, um, the boys to graduate high school, the boys to, you yeah. know, get married someday, you know, all these things are going through your head of what the future looks like. Sure. Nobody, nobody plans for this, right? Nobody plans for a diagnosis like this. And this diagnosis, just because it was so severe and so like end of the road was even more troubling because, you know, um, I remembered driving back over to the house from the hospital and the big tears rolling down my face. And it wasn't like I was in a crying thing. I just couldn't stop them. You know, they were just rolling. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just a head spinning experience and your whole life starts kind of flashing in front of your eyes. And then yeah. if you have a little bit of time to think about it over the next couple of days, you think about the things that you wish you would have done and the things you haven't done and the, the time that you wasted and the, you know, money you wasted and all these things start just running through your head. Yeah. Um, and I was going through all of that. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. So, yeah. so take us into that story uh, where we know the three month thing. Uh, I believe you were, had some friends over and you were like giving, giving your furniture away. I mean, you, you didn't think you were coming back. So no. uh, yeah. T t tell us about that. And, and about the experience, uh, you know, trying to fly out of Phoenix to go back to Ohio. So um, the first crazy thing that happened was um, the night that I got home from the hospital, 
I get a knock on the door and it's two hospice nurses. <laughs> I just, I was put in hospice because wow. they said there's nothing else the medical industry can do. And right. the hospice nurses were ready. Like to, they wrote prescriptions for pain meds. They wrote prescriptions for a hospital bed to be in my living room because I couldn't climb the flight of stairs because I was in so much pain. And so I was put in hospice. And so I'm thinking about this and I go, okay, what do you do if you've got three months to live? And I said, I need to get my boys back to Ohio where my family's at because I'm not going to make it much longer. So that was the game plan. We bought a plane ticket for the three of us, seven days, one week from this time. So I said, next Sunday, we're flying back to Ohio uh, to my family. And so what I started thinking about was, what do you do with all this um, furniture and stuff that I worked my butt off my entire life, you know, and it's all sitting around me now and you get a cancer diagnosis like this. And and that stuff meant absolutely nothing. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And so when friends started calling saying, Hey, I want to come by. I've been watching your stuff on social media. I want to come by and just, you know, talk a little bit, give you a hug. I said, Hey, when you come by, bring a truck or go get a U-Haul and take what you want because whatever's here at the end of the week is gone on the curb and anybody can have it that wants it. Yeah. And people were like, are you serious? And I go, this, this, I'm not trucking this stuff across the country. You know? So right. I watched my entire house empty out that week, gave everything away except a few suitcases of me of clothes for me and my boys. And so on the following Sunday when we were supposed to fly out, right? Right. So Saturday, I kind of laughed and looked at my boys and I said, where are we going to sleep tonight? We just gave away our beds. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Yeah. So I said, let's just get a hotel room close to the airport because we're jumping on a plane tomorrow. And so we stayed at a uh, resort called the Hilton at Tapatio Cliffs in central Phoenix. And uh, it's kind of a little mountainy area. It's kind of pretty golf courses and stuff. And we had dinner, went to bed. And the next morning I get up and I go down the hallway towards the bathroom and I hear a popping sound and I hit the floor and um, it was excruciating pain going up and down my back into my head. I couldn't even breathe. You know how you use your diaphragm when you, you know, take a deep breath. I couldn't even get a good breath because I couldn't move because the pain was that bad. Wow. And 911 was called the fire department show up and eight guys, it took eight guys to get me onto this. um, It looks like an Ikea bag, you know, that it's like a blanket with handles and they get me on that and they get me outside onto the stretcher and then down some steps into the ambulance. The ambulance had to drive down out of this little mountain area over to the closest hospital. Every bump they hit, I felt. I <laughs> you know? yeah. And they take me to a place called John C. Lincoln Hospital, which is a older hospital in Central Phoenix. And the closest one to this resort. Right. And there they start running their own tests. And so basically um, what happened was a team was formed. There was two spinal surgeons that came in to see me together um, and they were feeling my knees and my legs and stuff. And they said, the pop that you heard at the, at the hotel was a compression fracture. Your back broke in two places. Wow. So it was all metastasized and damaged from the cancer in there. And finally it just said, I can't, I can't hold you up anymore. Yeah. So they said they they were feeling my toes and my knees and stuff. Can you feel this? Can you feel this? 
they 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 knew there was a possibility of of paralysis because of the way your spine collapsed into the nerves. Um, you, it's it's common to actually you know be paralyzed. Yeah. And so there's two spinal surgeons, a house doctor, and a um, oncologist or a cancer doctor that became my team. So over a couple of days, they're running all the tests. They're coming in to see me, asking questions, um, fitting me for a back brace. It's a big, like a turtle shell that you put on and Velcro real tight if you need to sit up and go to the bathroom or anything. And so two days go by, they come in and they, they have my files and they said, we have a plan. <laughs> and well, I said, uh, you probably were happy to hear that. I, I was like, wait a minute. I was put in hospice. How do you have a plan? Yeah. And they said, we want to stop the feeding of the cancer and start killing the cancer. And the way you do that is because it's prostate cancer. I had what they call an orchiectomy, which is stopping the male production of testosterone in my body. Yeah. Do surgery. So it'll never, you know, and, and, and this is their philosophy, philosophy of doing that. Men going through prostate cancer completely understand this because yes. if it's not bad, they give you a pill that stops the testosterone production. And then when the cancer's gone and you're back normal lifestyle, you stop taking the pill and your body starts producing testosterone again. My cancer was so bad that wasn't even an option. Surgery, stop, you know, stop the testosterone yeah. production. Yeah. The other part of the surgery was going in and putting my port in my chest because the game plan was to stop the, the feeding of the cancer. And then the next day they were going to roll me, they were going to start chemo. Um, so I was going to get my first round of chemo and that's to start killing the cancer. And I said, Hey, a, a fight's a fight. You know, let's, let's get it on. Right. And this is and all so, happening in Phoenix. You never got out of Phoenix. I never, I never made it home to Ohio. I yeah. never made it home. It was all in, all in jo uh, John C. Lincoln hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, so I say, let's get it on. So the next day I get rolled down to, uh, to the, um, the prep area. They start prepping me for surgery. I, I don't, I don't know why, but I remember every light in the room. I remember every nurse's name to this day, the doctors, the conversations, it was unbelievable all the way up to the point where they rolled me in and we were talking and they were shaving my chest where my port was going to go in. And then they administered some, um, some, um, um, I can't think of the name of all of a sudden um, the stuff that knocks you out. It puts you to sleep. Anesthesia. Um, anesthesia. They, yeah. they, they gave me the anesthesia, knocked me out. And I wake up and it's two and a half hours later in the recovery room. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's an older hospital with this long room. It's just bed after bed after bed and all these curtains. And I wake up and I'm laying there for a little while. And once I'm awake, the nurses brought me some water and said, hey, your family's upstairs. You're going to be going up there pretty soon. And as I was wide awake, then the two surgeons that just did the surgery on me came in one by one. And we talked a little bit. And they said the surgery went perfectly. And uh, we'll follow up with you once you leave the hospital. And so that's the kind of stuff that was going on around me. And so I'm laying there watching them get other people ready for the surgeries and everything. And for no reason at all, the room turns weird cold. And so I kind of scrunch up and I look down to the right because that's where they had these big double doors where they were taking the patients in and out for the surgeries. And in my head, I thought somebody left the door open and the cold air came through. Right. And I looked down and the door shut. 
And I'm like, what is going on here? And then I start panning back to my left. And when I got over my left shoulder, I actually jump and I'm looking at a brown robe, white scarf, beard and face. I'm flipping out and I'm thinking, is it a doctor? Is it a nurse? And in my head, it's my head. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm in the presence of Jesus. And his right foot does a half a step towards me. His hand reaches out and touches me on the shoulder and he's gone. How long did that all last? Three or four seconds. Wow. So I'm flipping, I'm flipping out. You know, what, what was that? Why me old Catholic boy from Ohio that don't even go to church anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, I'm flipping out. Um, and so that day, some interesting things happened um, that I realized I really just had something miraculous or something divine happen. Right. And the first thing was the nurses come into my hospital room and say, it's time for your meds. And they said, here's your steroids for shrinking the tumors. Here's your bone strengtheners. And now your pain meds are, are as needed. So on a scale from one to 10, how bad your pain right now? And I sit up in the bed and I'm looking at them and I kind of laugh. And I'm like, I don't feel any pain. And they're like, you just went, you just broke your back and had surgeries. You need to order something. And this is just two nurses that it's medical stuff. You know, they're, they see this stuff every day. Yeah. You, you need to order something. Sure. And I said, Hey, I don't even like taking aspirin. I don't want to order a drug if I don't need it. And they hand me the nurse button and they said, when it starts and it will hit the button so we can get in here and get just on something so it doesn't get too crazy. Right. Right. So as of May 26, 2015, to hanging out with you right now, I never touched another pain med. Unbelievable. The pain meds piled up on my kitchen counter to the point where I took two grocery bags of, of crazy pain meds. I'm talking about like liquid morphine and stuff. I took it to the local fire department down the street for them to dispose of it for me. Wow. Yeah. So when I noticed there was no pain and yeah. that night, that night, um, kind of frustrated, you know, this whole thing still heavy in my mind. Let me break away for a moment from this great inspirational podcast to tell you about another great inspirational story that I do not think I will ever forget reading. Sarah M. is a survivor of the killing fields of Cambodia. She has authored an exceptional, inspirational, award-winning book titled How I Survived the Killing Fields. Sarah shares her compelling true story, which follows her tranquil journey as a young girl that grew up in Cambodia. The book chronicles the journey of her young age through her early college years until that fateful day when she was pushed, as with others, into hiding and eventually caught in a horrific and tragic event called the Killing Fields. Over two million people perished over four years of tyranny under the Khmer Rouge. Sarah eloquently walks us through the darkest days of her life until she comes out of that dark tunnel to the light again. Once you read her book, your perspective on life will be positively changed. Sarah has been a holistic wellness consultant for 10 years 
and was picked to write a chapter in the book Holistic Approach, Personal Stories of Triumph and Transformation Through Mind, Body, and Spirit. This is a must-read for anyone who struggles with the current state of health care, feels frustrated with doctors and insurance companies, and seeks natural solutions to getting well and feeling better. Each chapter shares the personal story of how the author overcame a physical or emotional challenge using a holistic approach. If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, this book will give you the inspiration and motivation to take control of your life and live a happy, healthier life. The stories shared in this book include alternative healing and preventive therapies for a variety of concerns, including cancer, addiction, hormone balance, longevity, and much more. Learn firsthand how these authors use diet and nutrition, herbs, body work, mindfulness, and other natural health solutions to achieve balance and well-being. The book, How I Survived the Killing Fields, and Holistic Approach are available on Sarah's website, sarahm.com. As a listener to the podcast, when you order, please add the code RAP in the Merchant Instructions section, and you will receive the ebook version of the book, Holistic Approach, a $7.95 value for free. All the information related to the books will be listed in the podcast notes. Cancer, is this a long journey or a short journey? I'm going through all this stuff in my head. And I'm an old farm boy from Ohio that, like I said, goes to bed at 8, 39 o'clock. And um, I, I didn't wash my face and I didn't turn off the lights in my room. And I watched the clock on the wall go 9, 10, 11, and even 12 o'clock. And I'm still laying there wide awake, which is just not me. And at, at that point, I'm, I'm just frustrated. And I look at the ceiling and I said, hey, God, what gives? <laughs> Is this a short journey or a long journey? Now, I don't know if that's much of a prayer, but that's what I said. What gives? Yeah. And I hear a voice just like me and you talking right now, and I'll never forget it. And the first thing I hear is, you've been a fighter your entire life. What are you doing? And then wow. a couple seconds went by. And I heard, as long as you're alive, be fully alive. And I was like, what in the world? I swing over with my feet, hit the floor, stood up. I had to grab my IV pole because I was plugged into all kinds of stuff. And I was thinking, I'm going to go to the bathroom and wash my face. I didn't go to the bathroom and wash my face. I went on the hospital floor. And I started walking and I walked two laps and two of the nurses that my nurses, they're like, what are you doing up and walking? I just had a broken back and surgery. They were like, what are you doing? And I just kept on going. I, I finished two laps. I was exhausted. I got in the room, washed my face, turned off the lights and got in bed. And I just laid there thinking about it. And I was like, whoo, man, God, if you can do this, you got, I know you've been trying my entire life. You've got my attention now. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is what I always tell people, um, and we, we get to speak at churches and businesses and stuff is the reason why that May 26, 2015 was such an incredible day for me. There's actually two reasons. I had a mir I had a miracle happen. You sure did. I, I had a miracle happen. But the second thing also was, I started establishing a relationship with Jesus for the first time of my life at 50 years old. So two really important things for Chuck Keels happened that night. And the cancer, did it 
just remiss over a short period of time or? So, so as humans and I'm going to my doctor, I started chemo. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I mean, that stuff's still on my mind. I got two boys to raise. I got, you know, I, I got plans for the future, all these things, what's going on here. And what happens is I'm going to chemo and the chemo is kicking my butt. I was one of those guys that uh, I've seen even Hannah sometimes that like maybe a half a day rest and she's back at it. I, I'm talking two to three days in bed after chemo with it burnt the lining of my throat, just anything that could happen side effect wise did. But after those three days of feeling like crap, I started feeling a little better. And by day four, I wanted to walk outside, and get some fresh air. And so through the chemo, by the fifth and sixth day, I was walking at the park. I was getting my subdivision swimming pool and stretching my body. Um, I even started going to the gym, which was, which was very difficult emotionally for me because a couple months ago, I was walking in there and throwing 45s on the bar and warming up with it. And I went in and could barely lift the bar. Yeah. It was that kind of change. I lost 40 pounds. I melted down my, I watched the muscle just like almost melt off of me. And so I went in there and instead of putting the pin under the halfway down or lower, I would put the pin under the first plate and I would do whatever exercise it was. And, and I said in my head, you're here, at least you're here. It's better than the alternative, right? Right, right. And so I was, and you're, I was pushing, and you're living life like you were told was, to do. It was pushing through and living life. Yeah. And so basically uh, what happened was three months into the chemo, they do the first scan to see where I'm at. Is it doing any good? Do we have to change things? What's going on? And they do the first scan and I go in to see my cancer doctor and she's smiling ear to ear. She's from Pakistan. I don't know what her spiritual walk is. She says, Chuck, I've studied cancer all over the world and I've never seen anything like this before in my life. She said, your journey's not of medicine. It's miraculous. Your scans look like a normal, healthy guy. No kidding. No kidding. Wow. And now, now let's, now let's even go back a little bit further. Right after I, you know, was left the hospital and went home because from John C. Lincoln hospital, I was in Mayo clinic for five weeks because they, that, that was, I, I still had that back brace on that they'd fitted before. I couldn't tie my own shoes or shower. So when we moved back to, to, to Gilbert, where my kids were and stuff, I didn't have any furniture. I didn't have right. anything, but people on Facebook lost their marbles and started just showing up with silverware and towels and chairs. And I was like, what just happened? It was, it was, it was so tough for me because I was the farm boy with the truck that everybody called to help them move their washer dryer, or we're going to be moving, help us put stuff in the moving truck. And I would be there on the weekend and I would work my tail off and never ask for a single thing in return. Right. Right. If they said, we're going to have pizza and beer at the end. I was, that was like, right on. I'm, I'm in, You're you in. know? <laughs> and so all of a sudden I'm at a place in life where I have to stand there and watch all of all of this material stuff walk back into my life um, and people with a smile on their face because they felt blessed to be able to help me and my boys. And Absolutely. it was it was unbelievable. Um, and so one guy from from um, a church down the street said, I have an old um, couch that folds out to a bed. And the reason why we needed that was because the place we moved into was just the closest place I could find in my boys' school. 
because the house we moved out of was a rental, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we had to find it. We found an apartment, but it was just a two bedroom. And it's me and two high school boys. And you know, high school boys, they're taller than me. They're not boys anymore. All right. So we have two bedrooms and they, it's not like the old days, you get a bunk bed and you, you know, they share the room. So um, what we did was we had two bedrooms and then the TV room was TV room during the day. And then the couch would fold out and we would turn it into a bedroom at night. So the, this guy says, Hey, I got a couch for you. I got a fold out couch. And I said, right on, bring it down. So he trucks it down to my place and uh, him and one of my boys are on the top and me and my other son was on the bottom. And, and we had to go up a flight of stairs because the first floor of our complex of our apartment was on the second level. So it was actually the first floor was up here. And the, the next level was the bedrooms was actually yeah. three floors up. So we're, we're, me and my son are at this end carrying it up the steps and my son slips he slips, he's, he falls a couple steps and I'm standing there holding this antique old, um, hideaway bed or whatever you call it. Have you ever lifted one of those things? Oh, they're heavy. Oh, it's like, a, it's like a million pounds. I, 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 I but you're I doing believe. this, you're doing this with, uh, with your back that was fractured. What? A couple weeks before a couple months. Yeah. A couple, a couple weeks months. before Yeah. my son falls, gets back up grabs it and we get it inside and sit it down. And that's exactly what was going through my head. How could I have a broken back if I was just standing there holding this couch that weighs a million pounds? Yeah. So that's when I started thinking about what had happened. And to tell you the truth to this, to this date right now, there's some other really amazing things. Um, I honestly think that when I was touched on the shoulder, I was healed 100% from stage four cancer. There's no doubt about it. There's no There's doubt. No doubt. About I, it. I got things to prove it. It's it's that amazing. It's that crazy. And, and, and when you were when you were holding that that uh, that bed, were you in any pain? None. Wow. Zero. Wow. Yeah. You wrote a book. Uh, hi, I'm Chuck. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So. Um, it's one of those things where um, I, anybody that reached out to me and said, Hey, uh, my wife was diagnosed or my mom was diagnosed. Um, what did you do? And I started saying, what, why are you calling me? Uh, you know, what do you, uh, what do you, and they said, you survived stage four cancer. What did you do? And then I started seeing gradually like what was going on here. And I was definitely taken into that direction of, of, cancer coach support you know talk with you cry with you laugh with you hug with you all those things and so at this time i started getting a little poke on my shoulder and i called a god nudge and and he's saying you need to write a book and tell people this this story and then you know how it is also you bump into people and you tell them the story and they go you need to write a book you need to write a book yeah, and i'm like yeah. i'm a landscaper i'm not a writer <laughs> you know this i don't think this is going to work out real well right Right. And so finally I sit down at my desk and I start writing this book. And for the first probably three or four weeks, I was just writing. Just, it was crap. It was terrible. And I was thinking about it and um, I was thinking, I, I don't know how an author does this. You know, if you want to label yourself as an author, but if me and you were sitting here and we had a beer, I got some amazing stories to tell you. Right. So what I'll do is I'll just tell it like I'm telling a story. 
And it took me about eight months of writing and distractions with dating and all kinds of stuff. But I finished the book and the book, Hi, I'm Chuck, is only it's just about the amazing story that I just shared with you. I didn't know the lessons in it yet. I hadn't lived it that much and I hadn't really figured out what all of it meant, right. but I wanted to get the story out there. So I, I, I self-published a, uh, uh, my first book, uh, Hi, I'm Chuck, and um, I'm still selling. I still sell tons of it. Well, at that time you were, you were just processing all this. Yeah. Yeah. But I do know also that the book is a, is a great tool for somebody that's going through cancer. Oh, sure. To relate now, to relate to all this stuff. I just want to get into a little bit about Hannah. Uh, and I don't, she, like you said, she's not here because of cancer related issues. Uh, 2008. She, she cont contracted bacterial meningitis. Can you talk a little bit about that period for her? So, so this is way before me and Hannah met and she actually was married then. Okay. okay right. She went through meningitis and was in a coma for three weeks. So I know a lot about the story because I'm so close with her and her family. Um, but it, it almost killed her. It almost killed her. It definitely changed her life. It definitely, um, you know, she had to step back and it strengthened her faith and everything. Yeah. So that was, that was one of the first um, unbelievable things that happened. And then the easiest way to tell the story about me and Hannah was Hannah was over here diagnosed with cancer. Her, so, so this, this guy she was married to for 20 something years, he comes home one night and he just sits down and says, um, I've been unfaithful. I've been unfaithful to you for six, for six years now. Wow. And, um, it sent her into such a whirlwind and he didn't want to try to fix the marriage or anything. So she cried for three months straight and three months late and three, three months after he took, give her this news, she found the first lump in her breast. So what happened was she was diagnosed with um, stage four breast cancer because it was in lymph nodes and other places. Um, she was an OR nurse. Um, and after, you know, trying to stay with her job, going through chemo and treatments and stuff, she finally had to walk away from her job. So, so this young lady went through five of the most unbelievable things that can happen in a person's life where people even have wrote books about the five worst things you could, you could possibly go through. Yeah. And those things are a move across the country. So she moved from Pennsylvania to Arizona. She didn't know anybody here. She got a job. She found a church. She's getting her kids in school, all this stuff. So a move across the country, an unexpected divorce happened. The diagnosis with cancer lost her job because of her treatment was she was just so tired. And her best friend that she met when she got here um, about a year later took her own life. Oh, my God. So so this is, the life that she's, this is the life that she's going through, right? Right. And, and what happens is when I meet her and she tells me this story, I'm looking at her and she's absolutely beautiful. She, she has a smile on her face and she glows when she talks. And I, I told her, I said, listen, I'm coaching cancer people now. And, and, and it might be after you get into the conversation a little bit, they might say, oh, by the way, Chuck, guess what? My dad passed away three years ago and I haven't gotten over it yet. 
You know, you hear all these things because it, yeah. it goes from cancer coach to kind of a life coach. Right. And, and, and a lot of times it's something traumatic, which I think has something to do with the cancer happening. So what happens is I'm looking at Hannah and she's smiling and I'm like, wait a minute, I got to ask you something. I coach cancer people. And if they have the cancer diagnosis or maybe something else, a divorce or lost a business or something happened in their life, these one or two things set them so far off that they may never get back on completely on track again. And you went through five unbelievable things and you've got this smile on your face. And she says, yeah. And I said, how, how are you doing it? She says, well, it, it definitely hasn't been easy. It's been a big learning, learning factor for me. And it's just been a huge strength strengthener of my faith. And I was like, what? You know, so meeting this girl was, um, it was just such a life-changing experience for me. The, the, the conversations were so amazing that um, we actually, I, we met, she was visiting relatives in Holland. She was in the Netherlands. Oh. So when we met, from her trying to get a hold of me on Facebook because of my cancer stuff and writing a book and stuff. We, we talked for two weeks before I even seen her face to face. Wow. So, so like the, the internet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Through, through all kinds of social media and stuff. Yeah. So basically we spent a couple of weeks talking before we, she got home and when she got home and we started having coffee and stuff, we, we could, we, we were, we were, you know, connected at the hip. Yeah. You clicked. Yeah. So basically what happens is, um, um, you know, I just can't believe her, her story, her smile, her glow and um, ask her out. We started dating and after a few dates, I'm like, I don't know what's going on in your mind, but I am, I'm in, I'm in. And this is, this is not a lack of experience dating. Believe me. Yeah. You just had that feeling. You knew. I'd waste yeah, wow. I just just knew. And, and and we got engaged and married. We actually got married three months after we met. Yeah. Didn't she say to you at one point, uh, hey, I've got a lot of issues going on here. You really want to pursue this? Didn't she say that to you? Well, the, it was really more about the cancer, you know? Yeah. yeah. She said nobody wants to date, you know, who, and she even said, look at me, you know, physically emotionally and all this stuff yeah. she says who's going to want to date me now and i'm sitting there having coffee with her looking at her like are, are you are you serious yeah. i would i would like to be on that list you know and so you know that was part of that unbelievable conversation that we were having in the first three months was single parents um cancer and and Stage four, we were both in this discussion and couldn't even believe um, these interesting things that we were talking about. And um, and so a lot of the things that we talked about became the foundation of our relationship. And we looked at each other and said that um, there, we both had been married before. You know, we're yeah. bringing all of our baggage to this, you know, situation, this new relationship. So what we said was that foundation that we both really believe in and love and that we see right now, that's there and all the other baggage, it's there. We may get into an argument. We may not agree about something or whatever it may be, but none of that stuff is a deal breaker. 
Right. And that's right. That, that's how we end up getting engaged and getting married three months after we actually met. Uh, that, that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us your life coaching techniques and what you advise for those going through the cancer journey or any other journey that needs guidance? Wow. So, so the, the interesting thing about the cancer coaching thing was because we started a foundation in February of 2020 called Living Hope Cancer Foundation. Right. Nothing, nothing changed how we were already on the phone with people or in the living room or in the hospital or in a hospice building. Nothing changed because what we knew was, was when you get your diagnosis, okay, and your head starts spinning. Then they tell you your medical plan. And then your doctor pats you on the back and say, hey, I'm so sorry you're going through this. You're driving home already flipping out. And so when you get home, you're sitting on your couch and your friends, neighbors, everybody's like, I can't believe you were diagnosed with cancer. The things that you know I've dealt with and the things that Hannah had dealt with. And what we realized was after that diagnosis, and prognosis, and they send you home, there's no next room. What do you do with this? And right. so what we realized was, was something called the positive mindset that can change your direction, even with a cancer diagnosis. Can you still get up and live? Can you plan a vacation? Can you take your dog for a walk? Can you go to the park with your neighbor or your kids? People get the diagnosis and they think it's a sentence. Right. It's not a sentence. It's a situation. I got to say that again, because it's so important. It's not a sentence. It's a situation. So what happens is we coach them off of the couch. We coach them out of the bed, out from under the covers. The doctor said, I have a year, two years to live. Guess what? They told you you're going to die. And I called you to tell you you're going to live, get up and live, get up and live. But that it's the mindset. It's the mindset. And it's putting all the things in place that me and Hannah had learned through personal experience. And what happens is when you start putting the mind into this, it's a different person. Yeah. It's a different person. You know, there's five, there's five pillars to our, to our cancer foundation. And that's prayer, love, juicing, frankincense oil, and move your body. Okay, those are the five things that we coach. Repeat that again for our audience. So, so prayer, chat with little chats, not not old school Catholic boy on your knees by their bed, just driving to work, and you're like, God, this is freaking me out. I'm scared. Um, I need your help. So, so what what I did was I kind of like brought the prayer to way this old farm boy would say it. It's just chatting with God. I've talked to people and they said, well, I'm not really a believer, but I, I, I talk to God before I go to bed. And I'm like, you're praying. That is praying. Sure. So praying's number one. Number two. And, and another thing about prayer is what we do know is that we have no control of when we come into this world. We have no control of when we leave this world and God's in control. So right. totally we, agree. So we pray. Another reason why we pray is because cancer and huge things in your life that you can't change will beat you up, will drag you down, will depress you so bad that you don't want to go out that front door. So if you don't have faith, you don't have a place to give the big things you can't change. 
With my faith, I give it to God. And so through cancer and my wife dealing with pain right now, we can still hug and smile through the day. Because people are like, how are you even doing this? We just get our strength through our faith. Okay. Yeah. So, so prayer, love. Okay. Remember I said I was going through chemo and it kicked my butt. Yeah. My neighbors showed up with food when I couldn't cook dinner for me and my boys. And I was like, you fixed dinner for us. I love that. It just, the feeling was healing. It's very important to have community around you. If it's neighbors, family, church, friends, whatever it is, it's so important to have community around you. So prayer, love, juicing, cranking up your immune system so that you're getting nutrients. And, and, the, and I'll tell you how this started was when I started coaching people and telling them you need to go all organic and you need to go plant-based and you need to go. And people didn't change their diets. So I had to figure out some way to get some good nutrition in their body so they didn't have to change their diet, but at least they're getting some things that your immune system needs because your immune system can do a lot with this battle also if you fuel fuel it properly. Yeah. Okay. Right. So then the fourth thing was frankincense oil, which was out of this world. A friend of mine, when seen my diagnosis on social media, called me while still in the hospital and says, you know, we talked a little while and then, hey, by the way, do you know, have you heard about frankincense oil? And I go, no, I don't anything about it. And they go, and I'll go, they go, read, read some articles, look it up, Google it, whatever. I read three articles on frankincense oil from doctors saying it supercharges the cells to fight crap off that ain't supposed to be in your body. I called him back and said, where do I get the frankincense oil? <laughs> so I found two companies that I really like because you want a pure form. You don't want to get on um, Amazon or go to Walmart and buy a $15, $20 bottle of frankincense because the reason why is because you're going to end up putting it on your body. You're going to put it in your mouth, under your tongue, in your body, and you're going to put it in a diffuser by your bed when you're sleeping at night. So you're breathing the molecules and you don't want some crappy stuff that somebody, right. you know, made. So we go through um, doTERRA, which is a, a really well-known company out there. How do you spell Young that? Living Jeff? is another one. And they're both very similar as far as the quality of their product. How, uh, how do you spell that first one? D-O-T-E-R-R-A, doTERRA. Okay. And what so was I've been the other using one? doTERRA oils for, for, for over six years since my cancer diagnosis. And yeah. I've added other stuff too. They've got some really cool things as far as the help with the immune system and, and essential oils uh, basically um, are mentioned 500 times in the Bible. That, that I, when I yeah. heard that, I was like, what? Yeah. This is crazy. So and what, was, uh, what Frank, was the other company? Um, it's called Young Living. Young, Young Living. Young Living. Yep. Okay. So our audience can get okay. that. And then, yeah. and then number five on my list, on my pillar of five things is move the body, move the body. If you stay on the couch, feeling sorry for yourself, if you, and in this, and uh, listen, I completely understand if you've had surgery because of cancer, you're not going to go to the gym or do a yoga class, right? Right. But can you get on your living room floor, turn on your smart TV, pull up YouTube and type in a stretching class for beginners? How about controlled breathing class? You just lay there and they walk you through a breathing session. And at the end of it, you're like, that feel really good. What the heck was that? You know? Sure. And I'll, I even go one step further. I get into some sound healing, which now there's a lot on 
face on YouTube because of the fact that coronavirus hit and people weren't going into the studios. So they started recording it at a certain level through special equipment and stuff. You could lay on your living room floor, type in a sound healing class and cry like to crank it up. And I've got the surround sound speakers. Yeah, I feel the vibrations in my body. It's unbelievable. But this is kind of, I'll get, I'll take, I'll take this somewhere where I don't really tell people. So NASA, NASA, right? Yeah. Put this technology in the spacesuits because when the astronaut is up in space, you can't go to the doctor if you're not feeling good. So That's they true. start sending these different frequencies through the body, and this is all on a computer. And when it hits certain areas and it detects that this is what this is where it's working, the computer will keep it there. And they found out that the vibrations heal up, feel free or uh, speed up the healing process. And let me go one step further than that. Guess where NASA got the technology? From where? from from Indians drumming. Really? From drumming. That's huh. been going on for thousands of years around the world. Everything comes it's, full circle. Goes full circle. Yeah. Uh, so so. So moving the body can be on the living room floor, but if you can't go for a walk, if you can go for a swim, if you could go to the gym, if you could do a yoga class, if you could jump on a bike, all these things are moving the body and the human body needs to be moved. It needs to be moved. Right. I start people walking in their house, walking around the block, you know, things like that. We're not talking about going out today and walking a mile. We're talking about baby steps and mini goals. Right. And, baby and, steps. And, and mini the main goals. thing is, if you're just going to sit there and do nothing, you're giving up. You're just, you're going to get depressed and you're going down. You're going down. You're, you're, you're going to rust out. You know, you're going to rust out. I want to move on to uh, Hannah in 2021. Uh, well, 2020, she had some breathing issues, some neck issues. She had a neck fusion, uh, a spinal fracture. She went through a seven hour surgery and what I'm leading up to is you were in full caregiver mode. Can you tell us about, about it and your words of wisdom out there to all the caregivers? Can you give them some words of wisdom? Absolutely. So we get married. This beautiful person's in my life now. And we're, and we're having a blast. And it's, it might be just out for a hike or a walk. It might be jet skiing, zip lining, traveling from Phoenix out to California and seeing the ocean. We're having a blast. And five months into the marriage, she starts to have breathing problems. And what happened was her breast cancer spread into her lungs and into her spine. And she went into pain so bad that um, she started throwing up and I rushed her to the hospital and they rushed her from that hospital to another hospital, had emergency surgery. They went in through the front of her throat. They went in and they had to restructure her spine because the throwing up action caused that broken down area that was being damaged from cancer to just blow up. It was like they had to put in, they had to put in uh, titanium in the back of her neck to hold her neck together. So, so, you know, like you said, I went from a, the stage four cancer guy to now I'm in full caregiver mode. Right. And, and everybody out there knows caregiver mode. It's the worst mode in the world. 
It's the worst. It's the worst mode. There's no way you give up everything that you want to do for yourself and you normally do for the person that you love. Right. And, 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 and your caregiver may be a husband or wife, or it might be a neighbor. It might be, you know, a family member from, you know, across the country that showed up because of your cancer. Um, you know, so caregivers come in all, you know, shapes, sizes and colors. But what happened with me was just like everything else in life. Um, when things suck, what do you do? You give up, right? No, 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 no. I went into like, I want to be the best caregiver ever in the world. That's in my head. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So my job is to make sure that Hannah's comfortable. And you're talking about some crazy surgeries. Like I said, you, you were talking about, she started having lower back pain. She had a seven hour spinal surgery. It was a nightmare, a nightmare. And I had to help her sit up in bed and food and clean the house and get her dressed and bring her toothbrush and it, it, everything you can possibly imagine from going to the bathroom. We put a little chair next to her bed. She would get on it, go to the bathroom, get back in bed. And I had to grab it, bag it and take it outside. There's no, there's no, you didn't have to do this or this. It's everything that keeps a person alive. Right. Okay. So basically I went into that mode and I said, what, she's first when she's comfortable and when she's okay um for a while there i actually wouldn't even leave the house unless a neighbor or a friend or somebody from from our church or something came by i wouldn't i would not leave her here by herself right now what she's going through she can walk to the kitchen and get tea and cereal and things like that so if i want to run to the gym and swim or if i want to jump on my bike and go for a ride um I'm, i'm doing all these things around her first Okay. Right. And so what, what, when you said, you know, as far as talking about the caregivers, yeah, here's the deal. When that cancer patient is diagnosed with cancer, their caregivers are going through cancer with them. Yep. The caregivers are just as freaked out as they are, especially when it's somebody tight, tight that you love of husband, wife, family member. I have gotten calls at 10 o'clock at night from the caregiver and they said, my husband is finally asleep and I am flipping out. I need to talk to you. And I would coach them off the ledge. Okay. So a caregiver is going through cancer, just like a cancer patient. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, we coach them. I don't coach like one cancer patient. I coach them and everybody around them. We start out with a, with a Zoom call or a FaceTime or put the speakerphone in the middle of the table. I want to tell everybody about this. On, my, uh, on, our, on our website, on Living Hope Cancer Foundation's website, which you can find a very easy way by just typing in getupandlive.org, getupandlive.org, okay? So what we did was we took the things that me and Hannah was teaching people and going through ourselves, and we wrote down the important ones. And we're over 50 little short videos. They're only two to three minutes long. And the videos, we call it the Cancer Roadmap Project. Okay. 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 So the, and it's all, and this is all free. You know, that's why we started as a 501c3 nonprofit. We don't ever want a cancer patient and caregivers to ever have to pay for these tools. So you go on there and you start, you'll, when you watch number one, you're going to see, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, this, this is, where was this? You know, I needed this in my life. And so what happens is they watch the first one, which is the introduction and who we are and why we're there. And I'm sorry that we're meeting this way, 
it's because it's because of cancer. But what I, what I'm, the reason why I'm telling you this is because everybody around that cancer patient needs to be watching these also. It's, it's a, it's a team effort. And, 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 and what happened with me as I was first starting to coach people, I had a guy I was talking to and he said, Chuck, I got so many family people around me and people from my church that love me coming and helping me. And he says, guess what? Not a single one of them understand cancer. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Let's get everybody on the same page. Let's get it. Let's start. Let's get a team thing going here to fight this person's cancer. And, and it is unbelievable. And if they don't have a team around them, that's where we come in. That's where Living Hope Cancer Foundation comes in. And your foundation, that. your foundation does this. There's no charge. Is that right? There's no charge. There's no charge. That's great. Yeah. Chuck, I want to go through just a few fast things. What is your take on the medical community treating cancers? Is it all, in your opinion, an educated guess? And what is your advice if the treatment plan fails? So it is all a educated guess. They, they don't have it figured out. It's a guess. And we know that because we see the ones that work and the ones that don't work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're scrambling, trying to figure out your body makeup, your type of cancer, how you started the cancer. Um, what's the best treatment for that? And they start on that plan. Okay. So that's something very important that you just said was that's the exact reason why you need two plans. Okay. This is a two plan deal. Your first plan is your medical plan. Okay. That's right. you and your, you and your doctor. Okay. Here's the, here's the thing about that. Be fully in, in control of your medical plan. If you find one doctor and he says, this is what's going on and this is what we're doing. And you say, okay, that's what you get. Okay. You're allowed to research the type of cancer they said you had and ask that doctor really tough questions. Okay, you're allowed to do that. If you don't like the answers, go get a second or even a third opinion and hire them. That's you've got to be in charge of your medical plan. Okay, it's still going to be an educated guess. They went to school through books and they're figuring this all out. And don't get me wrong. I love the medical industry and it's there for reasons. And they're doing some amazing things. But what happens when the medical plan doesn't work? Right. What happens when you get that scan and it's still spreading and it's and it's causing problems? That's exactly what we do. Your medical plans here, your personal plans here. What is your personal plan? <laughs> Prayer, love, juicing, essential oils, move the body. That's what we do. We do it's it's the other plan. If you and if you don't have a personal plan and you're not doing these things and your medical plan doesn't work, the wheels completely fall off and that's when the depression and that's when I'm dying and all these things start to go through your head. So we avoid that by starting the personal plan as soon as we possibly can. As soon as we meet you, I've got people calling me saying I was just diagnosed yesterday with cancer. Well, I'm glad you called because we're going to start what we call a personal plan right now. But you're still going to work with your medical plan and you're going sure. to be in charge of that. Sure. But if something happens where that don't work and it doesn't go the way they want it to go, it's not your only plan. Right. Which has to give uh, people a lot of hope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, OK, I wanted to ask. I wanted to bring this up because I know we're, we're running a little short in time. You have a bike ride coming up. Ride like a thriver. 
Uh, I know it's going to start in San Diego, yes. I believe, and it's going to wind up right near where I am in St. Augustine, Florida. Yes. I want, I'll want. i be there. I may even ride with you part of the way. I would uh, love that. God willing. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I'm, I'm coaching a guy out in Maine. He's in Maine. He's a stage four prostate cancer survivor like myself. So we just, we became brothers like right off the bat, right, right off the bat. And so we're chatting and over a few weeks time, he's telling me he's an avid cyclist. And he's talking about how he cycles, you know, around Maine in the mountains and everything. And this guy's like, like, like 70 years old. And I'm like, I'm impressed. This is amazing. And then one day he's like, we need a, we need a ride across the country to bring awareness to your foundation so people know who you are and what you do. And I was like, I love that idea. And the conversation happened with Hannah sitting next to me. And I said, I'm in. And Hannah says, if Chuck says he's in, he's in. And, 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 and you have to understand, I'd never rode a road bike before in my life. <laughs> I'd never been on a road bike. I didn't yeah, know but if anybody can do it, you can do it, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was interesting. Remember I said Hannah had a seven hour spinal surgery. Yeah. She was in, she was in a wheelchair for four months. We still had a little power chair, a little electric wheelchair sitting in the corner. We sold the wheelchair and bought a used road bike. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So I started training the first month. I hated it. I, I, I come home and lay on the floor. I would do 12 miles, 14 miles, 16 miles. I absolutely couldn't believe what I, I'm I, and in my head thinking you're going to ride 3000 miles across the country. <laughs> you know, this is all jacking with me. And, and then by about the third, fourth and fifth week, I really started liking it. I really started falling in love with it. Um, and, and, and not only because I'm, I, I've always been an athlete and an active guy, but to burn off the stress of being a caregiver and dealing with Hannah's cancer and everything, I needed an outlet. Sure. And it became, it became the outlet. So um, right now we're planning on leaving um, San Diego on the 28th of March. It takes almost two months to get across the country, 50 miles a day with breaks in between every other day. And um, I started, we started telling people, we started getting this rumble of local news stations, national news stations, people around the country that said, can I come and ride with you for a day? Um, I would like to maybe do some fundraising in my area for your event. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's really overwhelming because with Hannah's um, health going the way it is, we actually thought about maybe canceling it and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. As a matter of fact, I got to tell my story on the 700 club, which is a huge platform. Yeah. Okay? And the 700 club said, we also want to follow your bike ride. Great. Yeah. So, and then I've got a, a message today, an email today, the marketing director from Chick-fil-A said, can you guys talk to me on Thursday morning? I'd like to talk to you about your bike ride. I think you'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, you know, that's the thing is if, if we can bring awareness to the foundation and we can, we can hug people, laugh with people, cry with people, if we can um, maybe even raise some money for the foundation, that'd be a beautiful thing because right now we're on a pretty tight budget, but we're doing, but we're doing it, you know, we're, we're rolling. Um, it's just that, you know, we're not, um, you know, we're, we're still paying some of this stuff out of our pockets to do some of the stuff that we're doing for our foundation. 
Um, so if that all happens, that would be, that would be, uh, well, we'll, we'll be, be promoting, we'll be promoting yep. things yep. here on the podcast. Uh, Chuck, what excites you, uh, going forward with your foundation? What, what, what are your dreams for the future? Um, my, my motivation is to build it bigger because if it's bigger, it helps more people. Um, I mean, you it, the with the with that cancer roadmap project on our website and stuff. You should see the hits that we get. It's it's already helping thousands, and it's not that's a lot of that stuff's on social media and stuff. So, five hundred one c three covers uh, fifty states. We're getting calls from all over the world. We're talking to cancer people all over the world, which is a beautiful thing. So, what would probably be the the the, the biggest goal for me is to um, know that. A uh, hundred years from now, when I'm no longer on this earth, that it's a solid foundation, and that it's really helping, you know, cancer people and caregivers um, that you know that you know are are lost like we were when we left that doctor's office, yeah. and and everybody says, "What do you do now?" Um, if we could be that next room, then that that's my biggest goal, and that's what excites me the most. Chuck, I'm so glad that you came on tonight. Uh, it- I could talk to you for hours about this. Uh, tell us, how can people contact you? So the easiest way is just to uh, type in, uh, here, I'll, I'll show you so that you know. Get, get up, up and, and live. Get up and live. Me and Hannah both have it. He's showing me a body. tattoo on his arm. And, and, and this podcast is going to be on YouTube so you can see it for yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> so getupandlive.org, getupandlive.org. We wanted to we wanted to make it that simple so that not only will you remember it in case the C word comes up in your life, but um, the thing is, we want you to be able to tell other people about it also. That's how we want to grow. So getupandlive.org. Um, if you go on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and you, we have a YouTube station. It's all Living Hope Cancer Foundation. If you go on TikTok, it's it's something that I, I opened up a TikTok account years ago and never did much with it. And then when I see what was starting to happen with it, I started throwing videos on there. And um, we've got about 30,000 followers on TikTok. Wow. Yeah. So that's under that's Chuck Keels on TikTok. Chuck Chuck Keels. Okay. Chuck Keels. But yeah, getupandlive.org will take you to our, our website. And there is so many tools. Everything we've talked about today. Um, are on there from juicing to using the oils um, to the power of the mind and, and what that takes to get that triggered and get that going and get that fight going and moving in that direction away from I'm dying to I'm living. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to include all that in the podcast notes. I personally want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your amazing, in your amazing story. And, and your divine parent story. I wish I wish you nothing but good health and success in your cancer ministry going forward. Uh, I want to conclude this podcast when we've never done this before, but I want to offer a short prayer for both you, uh, Chuck and Hannah, and all the people out there wow. listening. Wow. Almighty God, master of the universe, bless us with divine love the love that gives life. Bless us with divine wisdom, the wisdom that gives light. 
Bless us with divine truth, the truth that gives freedom. I pray that love, faith, and hope unite in our heart. May God, the bright one, the most compassionate, be glorified in our soul so we may embrace the reality of love. Each of us must become a candle of love and light as a reminder that love and light will overcome darkness. Love created the world. There is nothing above love. I pray that we become an extension of love and that we spread love around and that we become the light that lights the way for others. Amen. 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 Love it. Love it. I needed that, man. We've had a tough day with Hannah not feeling good and stuff. And you don't know, like I said, that, that gives me my strength right there. Great. Glad, I'm glad I could do that. Comments and suggestions. Uh, you can email me at it's a wrap with wrap at gmail.com. We have a website. It's a wrap with wrap.com. All the podcasts are on there. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. It's a wrap with wrap, which is growing very nicely. We're on Instagram. It's a wrap with rap podcast. And we are on YouTube. It's a wrap with rap, the podcast uncut. All the episodes are on YouTube. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. And for now, it's a wrap.